You might uh, be thinking to yourself, well, I could never possibly be a small group leader. Let me just encourage you, the uh, criteria is actually surprisingly low. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but when you can um, get people in your home, then, then let me tell you, uh, God may have it on your heart to be a small group leader, and I just want to encourage you in boldness in that area. We're not after superstars. We're just after regular people who, who are okay opening the door and allowing people um, into their space. So uh, let me encourage you for that. Also, um, good morning. My na- <laughs> good morning. My name is Pete MacArthur. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, it is such a privilege. If this is your first or your second or one of your first time from the Scriptures this morning, and uh, Mike and Amy, the lead pastors here, they would have loved to have been here this morning, but they've actually, they're actually preaching down at Bodney, at the Bodney campus this morning and this afternoon. And so, um, yeah, they're, they're working hard. And uh, they'll be back next week. They're looking forward to being back with us. Uh, Steve and Bex, um, if you didn't quite catch up on the news, Pastor Steve and Bex Green, they're going to be taking on the roles of senior pastors of Elam Christian Center across all six campuses. We're so excited. We're so excited. And, um, and they've, they've got a special induction service coming up on the 9th of February, uh, and we're going to be celebrating that here as well. But this week, we are concluding our series, Mail from Jail which is looking at the book of Philippians, and it's based around the thought that what somebody says and does when they are under trial is worth prison or or facing their last days. The perspective they get from that experience uh, can be really valuable. And the Apostle Paul uh, actually spent a large component of his ministry in prisons. Now, their prisons were very different to our prisons today. I'm kind of picturing more of a shipping container type prison. Obviously, they didn't have shipping containers back then, but, you know, just a dark room where you're chained to the wall. And so when what you do and say in that kind of experience is really chapter four this morning. Before we do that, though, I'm sure all of us here can relate to the, to the experience of waiting for something that you really want, but hasn't arrived yet. Waiting for something that you really want, but hasn't quite arrived yet. Now, as a teenager, I experienced this every summer, because as a new teenager in New Zealand in the early 2000s, that's going to date me, but it's, it's true, the best thing that you could do was to attend Parachute Music Festival. Actually, can we get a show of hands? Who in their life has attended Parachute? Look at that. That's huge. That's, over, that's probably over 50% of us here have attended Parachute. You know, Parachute Music Festival was when uh, international Christian music acts from all over the world descended on a small town uh, in the Waikato, Matamata. And I think that town's population, something with them, every self-respecting youth group, with them, every church group, and there were over 28,000 people at the peak of Parachute descending on that little camp in Matamata. It was an amazing experience. In fact, for a Christian young person, control over their behavior was extremely difficult because of the scale of Parachute. So parents thought that they were sending their young people to, to like a Christian rally where they could get saved. But actually, it was just the wildest party you could ever imagine. In fact, these guys, there was a dance tent one year that only started at 2 a.m. It was like a disco tent. 
And uh, they closed that down the next year uh, for, for reasons I'm sure you can imagine. Young people are still young people, youth group or no. Parachute was the ultimate weekend. And the problem with Parachute, though, uh, was that it was always at anniversary weekend. It was always this weekend. And, and what you would do is that you would spend all of summer looking forward to the final weekend at the end of summer. Your summer as a young person might start, start when your school break in early December, but for all through December and all through January, you're looking forward to the final weekend where 28,000 young people would gather for four days. You know, often in life we face the same challenge where we attempted to look forward to some milestone that's happening in the future and miss what is actually happening in the here and now. I'm sure in my life I, I missed so many great moments and then I missed the present that was now. We tell ourselves that once we've achieved that milestone, everything uh, that we've had to do to get there will be worth it. But the problem is it very rarely is. It's actually discontent. Living like that is actually not living in full contentment because we are looking forward and we're telling ourselves, when I get to that place, I will have the satisfaction of, uh, that I am lacking right now. But that satisfaction often uh, doesn't actually come. We might not say it like that, but we might say things like this. We might say things like, uh, when all our kids are in school, then I'll have more time to do all those things that I'm currently not doing now. We might say, uh, if I can just get that next promotion, then all my finances and my financial issues will uh, be okay and I can start living my best life. We might say things like uh, maybe you're approaching 65 and you're thinking, if I can just get to retirement age, then I'll be able to really find enjoyment in life. Satisfaction and contentment is just around the corner. As long as the problem we have as humans is that we all crave contentment, but our behavior betrays us because our behavior tells us what we really think and believe. For example, we, we might believe in our minds we all know as, as people that money can't make you happy. It's, it's actually something we... Behavior betrays us because often we spend a great deal of time and energy chasing the very thing that we know in our minds won't make us happy, but actually our behavior tells a different story. One of our problems is that that underscores uh, this issue that we face is that we secretly believe that we, when our needs are met, we will find satisfaction. You know, the dictionary, defines def, uh, the dictionary defines contentment as a state of happiness or satisfaction. We secretly believe that when we are no longer in need, that is when satisfaction will rear its head in our lives, but it's very rarely the case. You know, the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4 spends a good portion of the chapter trying to communicate to us that, that we can have contentment while being in need. While being in need. It's an issue that has is, that is, uh, plagued the human race since the fall of man. How do we choose to be content when we find ourselves in a place of need? We will always have needs in our lives. 
You may not always have the same needs in your life, but I've experienced that as certain needs are met, other needs just pop up. Just when you think your finances are coming right, you get an unexpected bill which throws you back in the ring when your health uh, complications rear again. And just when you think they were coming right, your contentment can come under fire. When your employment situation looks increasingly uncertain, And the contentment that you thought you have had now seems even harder to find. For us, if if you've ever found yourself in that kind of situation, Philippians 4 has some keys for you. This is what it says in verse 12. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. Paul clearly tells us that he has learned the secret of contentment. And it does not depend on his needs being met. Clearly, because he's saying that I have found contentment even when my needs are not met. And the fact that he is writing this from prison is even more testimony to the fact that he is free. The first secret that I'd love to share with you that I believe this passage teaches to is this, is that to get to that place, to really help us on our journey into contentment, the first secret I believe that Paul is communicating is, is prayer. But prayer that is both honest and thankful. This is what it says in, in verse 6 of chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Perhaps it's that peace of God that we're all secretly uh, looking for and hoping to find. This passage has some real keys for how we can pray when we find ourselves in need, when we're in need financially, when we're going through a trial that we've never gone through before, when, our, when, a, when a sickness that we thought was left in the past now rears its head again. When we find ourselves in that situation, we can pray. But when we pray as humans, we often fall into one of two traps. The first trap that we often fall into is dishonest religious language prayers. Dishonest religious language prayers. Now, when we're really not honest with God as to us, for large chunks of the book of Psalms are some really brutal prayers. And God inspired those prayers. This is not just David feeling depressed and going out on a whim, but God actively inspired those prayers and God has honored the teaching of those prayers down through the centuries to teach you and to teach us that no matter what happens in life, we can honestly come before God and it's okay to say things like, I am feeling broken. It's okay to tell the Lord, God, I'm really angry with you. He knows you're angry anyway. You might as well be honest about it and admit it to yourself and to Him. Other people don't have to hear. You can keep those kinds of prayers uh, to when you're out of earshot of anybody. It might be a good idea. You know, if you're feeling angry to God, you might as well tell Him because He knows already. 
Let's be real here. God already knows what's going on in our world. There's nothing to be gained by pretending that we're more okay than we actually are. There's huge freedom to be gained and being honest to God about how we're really going. We can fall into the lack of honesty. You know, Paul is teaching about where things are at, but it's not enough just to get all negative, even if we are being honest. It has to be balanced with thanksgiving. Because the other trap that we can fall into is a kind of demanding prayer life. You know, um, they do this with businesses. You get to the end of the year and you sum up all of the different purchases and all of the costs and then there's a bottom line and you get to see how much your expenses have really cost for the year. If somebody was to do an audit on my prayer life or maybe even your prayer life, how many of your prayers would actually be just demands? Here's a question for you. If someone was to audit your prayer life, what chunk? 10%? 60%? Probably for me. You know, demands like, God, give me a car park. <laughs> God, please make that person pay that invoice on time. God, I need more so that my need might be met. You know, let's be honest, a lot of us, uh, for a large chunk of our prayer life, what thankfulness does is it breaks us out of that place. It puts us our focus on what God has already given, not what He has yet to give. Let me be honest, let me be clear with you, it's okay to bring our requests to God, but, but there is great freedom to be had and contentment to be had. It's not the lack of time or the lack of finance that we need to be focusing on, but it's on what God has already given us. You know, contentment is not found in the absence of need, but in finding joy in what God has already given. You know, in this passage, Paul is encouraging honesty, even when it comes across as raw and full of emotion. And when you find yourself in that place and you're tempted to step out of contentment, we can pray prayers of thankfulness and thanksgiving. Yeah, I remember a particular friend of mine who took this to the nth degree, and honestly, it was a little bit odd, uh, but we, you know, you'd be driving and should just be thanking the Lord for anything and everything that was happening uh, at the time out loud, and it was a little odd. We, we got to this, we got driving through town, we get to this red light, and she says, oh, thank you God for the red light. Praise the Lord, it's a red light. You know, often it, it might seem a little bit much to be thanking the Lord for traffic signals, but... Um, but there's something to be gained in that place of just, just coming up with things that God has given you. You know, contentment is found in people that, who are honest enough to get how things are going, but at the same time choose a thankful attitude for what God has already given. Second uh, key that I believe this passage speaks to is to examine your focus. In Philippians 4, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. This is like a criteria list which defines for us almost a bit of a motive checklist. You know, I can imagine two people trying to start a business. The first person, they're, they're thinking, listen, I, I just want to build something really great a place where people could be upskilled, where, where people could come in as employees and leave as leaders. 
And if that person was to think through their motives according to what has been written in this passage, is that noble? Is that right? Is that pure? Then the answer would be yes to all of those things. So for that person, when they go home at night, they can be thinking, yeah, actually my, this project that I'm working on does bring contentment because it, it uh, ticks off the things on the list. But maybe somebody else comes along and might, they, they might not admit it quite as frankly as this, but they're thinking that they'd love just to shine the ranks within society. For that person, their business is not pure or admirable or lovely. And unfortunately, because they are always running towards a moving finish line, contentment and joy don't really feature in their life. Think through your life in terms of what is noble, what is pure, what is lovely. And you'll find contentment in pursuing those things. Like like to illustrate for us as a family, uh, we've got two little boys they're both a handful, just on their own, right? And when you bring them together, it gets even better or worse, depending on how you see it. But <laughs> one is three and a half, and the other is one. And it can be tempting, because life is chaotic and busy, it can be tempting to lose focus on what really matters. But if I was to slow down and think, at what bits of the parenting journey are pure and lovely and admirable, I would come up with things like this. The opportunity to show my boys love and care for them as people. The chance to teach them what a healthy marriage looks like. Maybe the chance to help them be all that they can be and to fulfill journey in these kinds of categories. It brings contentment because I can do all of those things whether I have money or not. I can do, I can do all those things whether I have a full schedule that's free or not. If life is busy, I can still teach my boys how to love their future spouses by loving my And those things bring contentment. These goals can be achieved while we have uh, restrictions on our time and finance because our focus is right. You know, the third key in this passage is uh, to see things from God's perspective. You know, I'm sure a large part of the reason we struggle as people to accept and find joy in what we've been given is because we don't actually see the full picture. Paul is able to firmly state that his trials and struggles are already turning out to, be help, to helping other people have more faith in God, and that is giving him encouragement to continue on. This is what he says in, in chapter 12, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed and hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. You know, there there will have been certainly times where Paul uh, experienced pain and struggle, but now at this late point in his life, he is able to capture uh, in those moments kind of what it might be be looking like for God to see those things. You know, my wife loves puzzles. Her family, actually, they all love puzzles. And we were at a family holiday a couple of years back, and uh, Sarah's dad gets out of 10,000 pieces. I still, I still just observe those. I don't even get involved with those because there's 2,000 pieces. I mean, come on, get real. But this is 10,000 pieces. And 
there is a portion of blue sky at the top of the page that, some, that was about 2,000 pieces just on its own. So 20% of the puzzle was just plain blue sky. Now, if you started this puzzle just with the blue sky, you hadn't seen the big picture, listen, I, I just wouldn't, no, well, no normal sane person would even start that. The chances of finding just two pieces that fit together would be highly unlikely, let alone getting 2,000 of them. You'd get disheartened, and you wouldn't continue on. Because the, the, the picture, you, because without seeing the full picture, the hard bit just makes no sense. As the team come, let me tell you this morning that when you find yourself in a situation and that situation is suggesting that, the, that life is not all that it should be, you can know that God is at work within your heart of the puzzle, that there is a much bigger picture. And actually, the big picture will not make sense without the blue sky puzzle pieces complete. That puzzle is only complete when the blue is added, when the hard bits are there. When you get to the end, just add to the beauty of your picture. Now, you might be in a situation, you might, and you might be seeing circumstances, but let me encourage you that God's perspective sees more. You might see singleness in relationship. You don't have a partner. God sees a special season in your life that He has a special purpose and a plan for. God sees more. God sees purpose in the struggle. You might see a, a shortage of income. But God sees the opportunity to gain full control over what you do have so that when your income increases and the blessing comes, you can be trusted in those new areas. You might see illness or health complications, but God sees an opportunity to place you in the middle of somebody else's trial, perhaps even at the hospital. It allows you to bring yourself... Uh, invites you closer to himself through the struggle. Whatever it is that God has brought you into, you can rest and be content with that he will make good on all his promises and that the view at the top of the hill that you are climbing is extraordinary. You know, there's one final thought I'd love to bring to you this morning as we close. No matter where we are in life, we all find ourselves in needs, perhaps emotional needs, the need for more time, the need for more income. We, we all find ourselves in needs. The challenge for contentment is not in waiting until those needs are met, but finding satisfaction in life while we are still in need. The true contentment is finding peace and satisfaction while we still have needs. Imagine, me, imagine this with me for a moment what contentment might look like in your life. And if we were content with the friends that God had given us, we might stop the stressful task of trying to impress other people and instead enter into deeper friendships with those already in our lives. If we found contentment in our current jobs, we might choose to invest more time and energy into our current roles and our current workplaces, making them better places. If we found contentment in our finances, we might give more generously in order to bless the people around us. You know, church, Paul said, 
with all of the experience to back him up, that godliness with content, peace in your world, that you could, let me challenge you to practice contentment. There is peace to be found. You know, church, there's one final piece of the puzzle that might be missing for some people. Because I know in my world, on my own, without God, in an attempt to fill that satisfaction, to meet those needs, I'll turn to things that can't and can never fully satisfy. I may even get dependent on things to fill that spot, but as time goes on, that dependence turns into a void, and that void just gets bigger and bigger each time it comes up empty. But for me, I know that it's only through knowing God and hearing His voice over my life that the discontent begins to quieten and peace begins to take its place. That's why Paul says at the end of his contentment passage that he says these words, I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. Maybe you find yourself in a situation and you're being honest. You say, actually, I don't don't know this God. There is a discontent that lives... Let me tell you this morning that true satisfaction in life can only come through knowing Jesus and having His strength work on the inside of you. Paul could never have done these things on his own, but with the power of God, he said, I can do all of this through Him who gives me strength. And in a moment, we're gonna pray. And If you've come in this morning and and you're honest, you don't know God. Maybe you've never known Him or maybe you've known Him before and walked away from Him. Let me tell you this. The Bible says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus is speaking and he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. If you're feeling discontented and empty this morning, it may be that you do not have Jesus in your world and that his life is not living in you. You know, we've all sinned and we've all fallen short, but God in his love has sent his son, Jesus, to take the punishment on himself so that we might not experience that. And in dying for us and rising again, he has given us the opportunity to have a fresh start in life and a fresh start in God. Experience everything that God has for us. You know, the great news about having a relationship with God is that it's only ever a prayer away. In a moment, we're gonna bow our heads and close our eyes. And if that's you, I would encourage you to pray this prayer out loud along with everybody else with me this morning. Accepting Jesus in your life is only ever a prayer away. With every head bowed and eyes eye closed, we're gonna pray this prayer out loud. Would you pray with me this morning? God, today I surrender my life to you. I know I've sinned, but I believe that Jesus, you died for me. I turn from my old life and I turn to you. Come in and be the Lord of my life and make me brand new today. With every head bowed and eye closed, if you prayed that prayer, can I just say that we are so proud of you? I'd love to invite you to take just one more step of faith this morning. What I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna count to three. And if that's you, I'd just love you just to put your hand up nice and high when I get to three. I'm not gonna embarrass you or or call you out or make you stand up or anything like that. 
This is just an opportunity for you to take a step of faith and say, yeah, that was me, Lord. I prayed that prayer. What I'll do is acknowledge your hand and then you can pop it down and pray for the first time or you're coming back from the Lord. Would you put your hand up in one, two, three. Awesome. I see that hand, brother. Thanks, mate. Is there anyone else here this morning? God, we just thank you so much that right here in this moment, you are calling people back to yourself. Thank you that that you know the discontent that we can feel. And we can come to you at any moment and say, this is what I'm feeling and this is what's going on for me. And you promise to walk beside us. You don't leave us in that place but you walk beside us and lead us to a better life, a better place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hello, hello. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Thank you, Pete. That was amazing. Well, we've got a couple of notices for you um, before we close up, before we finish up this morning. Um, so firstly, next week, 2nd of Feb, um, we are starting our first growth track for 2020. Um, if you don't know what growth track is, it is a four-week course. Yeah, Elam is a church getting to know a bit about uh, Elam and then a bit about yourself and what God has called you.